Well, good morning, everybody. Great to have you here today on this Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, by the way, if you're brand new to BCA today, make sure you stop by the Connection Center. We have a special gift for you just to say thank you for coming. Uh, I'm going to ask our ushers to come on down the aisle and place in your hand one of these little uh, flyers. And as they're doing that, I want to just take a moment and say next Sunday is what we like to call Vision Sunday here at BCA. We're going to share some exciting things that God's laid on our heart for this fall and uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. One of the things that uh, uh, I want us to talk about here today is the fact that we uh, are providing 40 different groups that you can be a part of to grow. And one of the things that is really important to us is to have a growing number of Bible classes here at BCA. I talked about this a little bit last week, but we have 15 classes uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays and more throughout the week that we would love you to be aware of. And I want to just take a couple moments and highlight them. On Sunday morning, we have our Sunday sermon study uh, with Dave Troop, kind of a, a discussion of the weekly sermon. Uh, I'm going to be teaching a Bible doctrine class called Get a Grip on Your Faith and uh, really look forward to walking through everything from the second coming to end times to salvation to uh, the Bible to the Trinity. We have our adult Bible study through the book of Romans right now with Doug Anderson, always a highlight. Those are happening on Sunday along with youth and children's classes. Wednesday is where it really picks up. We have our Journey of Power through Prayer class and and prayer service, 5.30. I hope you can come out for that. I know that's not convenient for everybody, but if you can come out at 5.30, join myself, Pastor Rawl and Pastor Rod, Pastor John, Pastor Stan. We are going to be leading that right here in the worship center, 5.30. Anybody have anything to pray about or you pretty well got it all covered? Yeah, we, all, we both, uh, all have both hands up. That's going to be a special time. And then at 6.30 on Wednesdays, we kick into some other classes. Basic Christian belief, if you're new to the faith, considering Christ, that's the class for you. Marriage and family class is a powerful class on uh, helping weak marriages get strong and strong families get even stronger. Uh, how, how many take your car in for a tune-up once in a while just to make sure it's running at, at optimum levels? You know, you, you don't wait until your car breaks down to take it in. You, you, you maintain it regularly. This is a great class for great marriages, strong marriages, uh, burgeoning marriages to uh, come and be a part of this together just to see how we can strengthen our relationship. Our women's Bible study, men's Bible studies, always a highlight every Wednesday night. We have our single moms class. Uh, I'm going to be leading a uh, Discuss the Week sermon class on Wednesday nights, and then we have our pace setter classes for, for men. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You know, there's so much Bible illiteracy everywhere you turn. Have you noticed that? In fact, they did a survey in America, and uh, it's probably true uh, even more so around the world, but, but uh, many people said that they believe Joan of Arc, remember Joan of Arc? actually was Noah's wife. How many know that's not true? Yeah, like about 15 to 20 percent in the survey. Um, Also the question in the survey was, you know, uh, what is Sodom and Gomorrah? And people put down the answer that they were a married couple. How many know that's not right? And then they were asked, who preached the Sermon on the Mount? And you know what the answer was? This great, great preacher, but he didn't do the Sermon on the Mount. Billy Graham. How many know Billy Graham did not do the Sermon on the Mount? 
Well, I know nobody would have answered those questions that way, but we all can grow in God's word. And I want to encourage you to invest in your marriage, invest in your faith, invest in your understanding of God's word, and, and really plug in. These are great opportunities. I've handed you uh, a little uh, flyer here, and you'll notice on the front page, we uh, are offering classes called our Discipleship Diamond. And these are core, core classes that uh, uh, really kind of work around the baseball diamond that we use to really cast vision here at BCA. You know, uh, our 101, uh, BCA 101, 201, 301, 401, uh, four classes under each, and uh, we want to just encourage you to take those classes over time. Uh, uh, by the end of this coming uh, session, we will have offered five of these already, and I would challenge you to try to take all of them. In addition, you'll see the QR code that'll take you to uh, all the classes, as well as about 20 to 25 different groups that we're gonna talk about next Sunday, and you can read all about that there. On the back, you'll see all the kids' classes, all the youth classes. One of the things that we really wanna to communicate to our church family is that Bible study is really, really important. And we can do it together. You can do it alone, but you can also do it together. And we have many, many small groups, many, many classes, and we want those just to grow in uh, their impact and grow in their number. So would you think about it? Would you pray about it? And would you consider investing some time in what you could say is the most important part of our lives, and that is growing in our faith, also growing in our family, growing in our marriage. So I encourage you to consider that. Well, we're in a series, and I'm going to dive right back into it, where we're talking about one more. A couple weeks ago, we talked about reaching one more. Last week, we talked about serving one more. Today, I want to challenge you with the idea of encouraging one more. I was thinking this week of many, many stories in our church family about how different people have come alongside other people to encourage them in different ways. And I tell you, it really choked me up as I thought about so many. I thought about individuals who have come alongside people and literally helped introduce them to Jesus Christ and walked with them for quite some time as they grew in their understanding of the Bible. They grew in their faith. I shudder to think where those people would have been had the others not encouraged them in their new faith steps. I was thinking also of students, young people in our church who have gone through really some hard times in their family life and how different ones have walked them through a family divorce or other traumatic things that their family has gone through. And they've been with there, encouraging them every step of the way. I thought of single moms who needed encouragement because hope was running out and people were raised up to come alongside them and encourage them when it seemed like there was no hope. I think of seniors who feel all alone, but people in our church stepped up and entered their life and encouraged them and reminded them they are never alone. I think of some young married couples who were encouraged by different ones in our church family as they went through a really, really hard season in their life. Traumatic, traumatic things. And they would say that without those who encouraged them, life would have been far different. And I think of multiple families who went through seasons of brokenness but were encouraged by people in our church because they were willing to encourage one more. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage one another 
and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. That's what the Bible calls us to do is to be focused on how we can be an encouragement to other people. You know, the importance of community, you know, being one, being together, being connected is super important, especially in our day and age. Some recent studies have indicated that over 60% of adults in the United States report feeling lonely. And loneliness is really a pandemic. It's all around the world. The statistics show that. Young adults between the ages of 18 and 22 are the loneliest age group. The number of people who live alone has increased by 30%, and that's kind of exacerbated the situation. Social, social isolation, listen to this, is as harmful to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's what the studies say. That's what the experts say. That one really jumped off the page at me. Loneliness can increase the risk of premature death by up to 50%. And one in five Americans say they have nobody to talk to about important matters. They have nobody to talk to. Friends, here's the beautiful news. I think the church is beautifully situated to address loneliness. That's why we work so hard to, to develop classes and small groups and on-ramps and opportunities for people to say, you know, I'm kind of new, I, I'm kind of all alone, but, but, you know, I can join a class or I can do this or I can do that. And over time, they meet wonderful, wonderful people who are reaching out to them and encouraging them, and before long, they feel like they're at home. Loneliness is rapidly growing. It's an epidemic. I'm going to be teaching personally four classes here this fall so that I can do my part in reaching one and serving one and encouraging one. Many others are involved in leading groups and, and leading classes, all because we want to encourage, encourage, encourage others. What I'm asking you to do here today is to just simply think, how can I encourage one more? Now, some of us are really, really blessed because we have, uh, you know, wonderful families around us, people of faith, and that's great. But I want to encourage us to step outside of our family, our biological family for a moment, and expand our spiritual family a little bit more by thinking about how we can encourage one more. Maybe you can lead a group. Maybe you can team up with somebody and, and lead a group. You know, find a friend or two and start a brand new group. You know, let's just have a, a tsunami of community building as we reach out and address this problem of loneliness. You know, a slogan that we like to say around here a lot is, we want BCA to be a church where everybody is somebody and nobody is alone. A church where everybody is somebody and nobody, nobody is alone. You know, the biblical vision for this idea of community is found really throughout the Bible. But I love this verse here in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So have you pre-wired your life for the eventualities of life? by gathering people around you? And are you doing everything you can to encourage one more? You know, there are 50, actually over 51 another passages in the New Testament. These are the Bible verses that say, like the one we read a moment ago, encourage one another, love one another, be kind to one another, bear one another's burdens, those kinds of things. 
We cannot practice the one another's of the New Testament in isolation. We can only do it when we're together. There's no impact without contact. We need to figure out ways to do life together. I will encourage you to join or lead a class, join or lead a group, step up and step out and be an encouragement to other people. You just don't know when your encouragement can mean all the difference in such a positive way to someone else. I think sometimes we assume, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, everybody else is okay, everything's going great. It'd probably be better to assume I'm not okay, I know you're not okay, and let's get together and see if we can encourage each other. That's probably more accurate most of the time. I'm reading a book entitled The Good Life, How to Live It, Lessons from the World's Longest Study on Happiness. Books like that always catch my imagination because I wonder if they are going to say anything that I already know about from reading the Bible. How many know the Bible is the greatest of the greatest? And it's very interesting to see, uh, you know, some of the findings of some of these books. This happens to be a book that gives uh, lessons from the world's longest study on happiness uh, out, of, uh, out of Harvard. Robert Eldinger and Mark Schultz give insights from an 80-year-long study. So 80 years ago, they, they signed some people up, and they've been following their lives for 80 years. Obviously, different people have done it. You know, researchers have passed it on to the next generation of researchers who have passed it on to the next generation of researchers. But they found some amazing, amazing things. Some of them are very simple, like the ones I'm going to share right here. They talk about the, the importance of human connection. They, they talk about how their research shows that people who are more connected to family, to friends, and to community are happier and physically healthier than people who are less well-connected. Isn't that interesting? People who are more isolated than they want to be find their health declining sooner than people who feel connected to others. Lonely people, they say, live shorter lives. And they say this loneliness is growing as a world pandemic. I just want to be a little bit redundant here and say BCA wants to be a church where everybody is somebody and nobody's alone. We all have a part to play. We all need to see if we can encourage one more. And, then, and, and if you're relatively disconnected and isolated, you have your part to play where you need to join a group or join a class. You know, show up, step up, and allow others to, to lift you up. We're to be community. There, there's to be oneness. There's to be get-togetherness. I want to kind of walk through this from a biblical perspective for a moment. You know, the Bible says over and over again that community is God's idea. Look at John 17, 21. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And here Jesus prays, Father, may they be one as we are one. This is the final prayer of Jesus just before his crucifixion and before he goes to heaven. And he is praying this high priestly prayer and he's saying, Lord, this, this is the picture. May they be one. May my followers be one as, as we are one. He could have prayed for anything. Everybody be healed, everybody be saved, you know, everybody this or that. He, he prayed for oneness. He knew how important community and oneness really was. Together, support, encouragement, commitment, union, camaraderie, devotion, you see, when we engage in community, we are really living out the very prayer of Jesus. So again, I ask you, 
What can you, what can I, what can we all do to encourage one more? What can we do to encourage one more? We talk a lot about small groups here uh, at BCA, and it's important to make this distinction. God's vision for his church is community. Small groups is just one of the ways that gets us there. Groups have a way of bringing people together. You know, Bible studies, small home fellowship groups, activity groups, support recovery groups, you know, all sorts of groups that we try to offer at the church provide opportunities for people to come together and grow together. You know, we see that the idea of, of, of a small group is centered in the very person of God. You know, we read about the Trinity in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You know, we talk about the Trinity. That's one of the doctrines we'll be talking about in, in our class here on Sunday mornings. But, you know, the whole idea that God is three and God is one. You say, Rob, make up your mind. Is he three or is he one? You know, he's three and he's one. He's both. How many know you can't put God in a box? It's hard to describe God. It's hard to describe the Trinity. I remember uh, teaching, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, sixth graders years ago in our Foundations for Faith class, and I was trying to describe the, the Trinity, and, and I, was, I was describing, you know, it's like, uh, you know, an apple. You know, you've got the, you know, the meat, the skin, and the core. And they went, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of like water. You know, you got the, the gas and, and the ice cube and the liquid. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, staring at me. I don't think it made sense to them. And then one of the kids in the back row said, is it kind of like a three-piece suit? <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, kind of, although I don't know that I would describe God as a three-piece suit, but, uh, you know, it's as good as my illustrations. You know, he's three in one. There's perfect community in the Trinity. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's three. He's one. He's one. He's three. And we are image bearers of God. We have a community gene in us, a relational DNA in us. God wants us to follow his model and follow his mandate to build relationship with other people. I love this quote from Gilbert Blazikian in Community 101. He says, whatever community exists as a result of God's creation, it's only a reflection of an eternal reality that is intrinsic to the being of God. Here it is. Because God is eternally one, when he created us in his image, he created oneness. And we're to mirror that oneness. That's a great quote. We also see this idea of, of community in the life of Jesus and his disciples. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus called his disciples so that they could be with him. You know that Jesus spent more time with the 12 disciples and really the inner three, Peter, James, and John, than he did, you know, the rest of the world? I mean, he spent a lot of time in that small group praying and teaching and mentoring and guiding and modeling. And we're to follow the model of Jesus and to group up and do community and build relationship. We see it in the focus of Jesus' prayers. Again, back to John 17, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. God's ideal, we see to here again, is for there to be oneness. His final pre-death conversation his deathbed important conversation is oneness, 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 oneness. He knew that for the church to impact the world, it should not be divided, it should be united, and there should be great community. That's why loyalty and faithfulness and, and uh, 
You know, shunning gossip and division is so vitally important to God and to the work of the kingdom. We live in a pretty divisive day and age. And even in the church across the world, there's such division. And that's why it's so important for us to do everything we possibly can to work for unity and oneness and community and koinonia, as we read about in Acts chapter 2. It's evidenced in the early church. I want you to notice the pattern, the, the process and the product that we see in the early church. Acts 2, 42 to 47, it says they came together in small groups. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teacher, teaching, to the fellowship and to prayer. To the fellowship, to the, the oneness, the community, the, the, the connecting with each other. That was the pattern. The process was they met in the temple and then house to house. They met weekly in the temple and then weekly house to house. So they met in large group gatherings like we're doing right now. And then they met weekly house to house in small group gatherings. And that's what we're trying to really emulate through the classes and the groups. 40 different opportunities to get plugged in. That's quite a few. And there's one just perfect for you. And then the product is they were able to get together and practice the one another's like encourage one another and build each other up. And it's found throughout Scripture. Let me hit this last one quickly. You go way back to the Old Testament and you see how the children of Israel were grouped in families and tribes. And I particularly love that great account in Exodus 18 where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes to Moses and said, you're trying to lead two million uh, Israelites across the desert and there's so much murmuring and chaos this isn't going to work. Their needs are not going to be met, and you're going to die trying. So what you need to do is you need to raise up leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. You need to create a small group system where the needs of the people can be met and you can survive. And, of course, Moses did what his father-in-law told him to do, like any good son-in-law would do. Can I hear a big amen to that? Um, so in the Old Testament, we see this pattern. And then in the New Testament, really, the early church was built of house churches. One after the other, house churches. They didn't have, you know, uh, uh, tons and tons of church buildings all over the place. There were many, many meetings in houses, smaller groups, as family of believers. They became a church where everybody was somebody, and nobody was alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a book he wrote entitled Life Together. Of course, he spent time in German prison. He eventually was hung uh, largely as a result of his faith. And he said this, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Brotherhood, fellowship, community, oneness, camaraderie. Would you pray about encouraging one more? Would you ask yourself, have I positioned myself to be around people outside of my immediate family where I can minister and encourage and be a blessing to just one more? I want to close our time together here in these last few minutes by talking about four incredible blessings, four incredible blessings that come to us as a result of community and doing life together. The first one is it gives us strength when times are hard. 
Let me see if any of you have ever had a hard time. Would you raise your hand? Have you ever had a hard time in your life? I see that hand. God bless you, sister. Um, all of us. All of us. And the question I want us to think through is, have we adequately pre-wired our life for when those certain hard times are going to come? You say, Rob, that's pessimistic. Well, I think it's realistic. Because Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, in this world you're going to have trouble. You know, life is full of all sorts of unpredictable, chaotic moments. I have them. You have them. Probably the truth is most all of us are going through a few right now. But to have people in our corner, in our life, that we've invited in and they've invited us in, that will pray and encourage and be there for us, means all the world to us. They are really ambassadors of Christ sent to encourage us and to help us. Again, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, two are better than one. If one falls down, the other can pick him up. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So who is your one? Who is that person that you're encouraging? Or who is that one that you could encourage? On October 1st, we're going to start a brand new series uh, as we walk through the life of Jonah. I've entitled it Beyond Survival. We have a choice. We can either sink, swim, or soar. And we'll make a case why soaring is better than sinking. Jonah's going to help us with that. And, and I want to encourage you not only to invite a friend to come with you on Friend Day, but, but plan to be a part of a small group study group that goes through the questions that we've built, the book that we've written, to walk us through this incredible and timely book in the Bible. I want to encourage you to, if you're already in a group, kind of get ramped up and ready for that. If you're not in a group, consider starting one. Find a friend, pick a pal, and say, let's do this together. And let me know about it. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Paul said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfill the law of Christ. Really, there's no reason not to be in a group of one kind or another. There are just so many to choose from. They meet at different times of the day, times of the week. I think there's one just for you. We even have an online group. So that kind of even greases uh, the skids just a little bit more and provides another opportunity. I think of groups that we've had in our church through the years that have supported people that have gone through cancer, walked with friends as they've gone through a divorce, helped people through a loss of a job or change of a career or a move, all sorts of things. Number two, another big blessing of doing life together is we receive wisdom and advice from caring friends. Notice what it says in Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Sometimes it's necessary to get input from other people. I find that true in my life. It's always helpful to get input, differences of opinion, you know, advice, uh, commentary from a variety of people. That can be very helpful. It's wonderful to hear from others, you know, best advice on marriage or, or parenting or finances or, or uh, you know, working through, uh, you know, addiction, support, recovery type advice. And we could go on and on. Wisdom from friends. Thirdly, accountability and truth-telling. Notice what it says here in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
And Proverbs 27, 17 says, a iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There's no impact without contact. Have we orchestrated the opportunity for us to encourage one more and for us to be in an environment where others can encourage us? I'm here to tell you there's good news. There's lots of opportunities. And I just hope, I pray, in fact, I could be king for a day. I would make sure everybody was in a group of one kind or another. We want to grow in God's word. We want to grow in our faith. We want to be an encouragement to other people. We want to receive encouragement from other people. There's so many reasons why it's so vitally, vitally important. I was thinking of all the different kind of straight talk, accountability, uh, incredible input giving groups that we have in our church. And I made a list. We have men's groups and women's and senior adults and marriage and family and support and recovery groups. We have financial groups and youth groups and missions groups and kids groups and task ministry groups. We have adult groups, singles groups, young adult groups, young family groups, shared interest groups, caring and caregiving groups, leadership groups, mentoring groups, activity groups, and I could go on. So many wonderful opportunities for us to plug in. Finally, number four, we also receive love and acceptance. Love and acceptance. You know, it's easy to kind of minimize how important that is until you need it and until it's given. As we spur each other on to become more like Jesus Christ, as we spur each other on, encourage each other on, we're also able to share that love and acceptance. Look at Proverbs 18.4. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How beautiful it is to have those kind of people in our life. And those are available to each and every one of us. The Bible has another verse that says, if you want friends, what does it say? You need to prove yourself friendly. Let me give you the Rob Carlson freewheeling translation. <laughs> if you want friends, you got to join a group. That's a different translation that you'll find anywhere. But isn't it true? If you want friends, if you want companionship, if you want camaraderie, if you want encouragement, you need to step up. You need to step forward. All men will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And as we come together to build community through classes and groups and uh, ministry teams, all of these things, it can be a great, great blessing. So let me ask you, as you think about this next fall, which is now upon us officially. Labor Day weekend, and then boom, school starts and we're off and we're running. Football started uh, yesterday for others a little bit before that, so fall is here, fall is in the air. I wanna challenge you to just think through these last three weeks. Are you willing to reach one more? Are you re willing to serve one more? Are you willing to encourage one more? When it comes to encouragement, Jesus prayed, Father, may they be one as we are one. May the oneness and community we enjoy in the Trinity be something that my followers also enjoy. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. We live in a world that's into tearing down. We see it everywhere. People are tearing people down, tearing each other down. It even seeps into the churches, you know. God wants us to build each other up. How can we figure out better ways to build each other up. 
We may not always get it right, but we want to try more and more to get it right. And so we pray, Lord, help us follow your model, your example, by building and encouraging one another. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for our incredible church family and what a blessing it is to be able to do life together with each other. Lord, I pray that you'll lay it upon all of our hearts to take a step forward, to step up and step out and uh, either to, to form a group and lead a group or, or to join a group, whether it's a Bible study group or a home fellowship group or an activity group or a support recovery group or any number of groups. God, I pray that we just take one step, take one step. I know there's lots of challenges, why that's not possible, schedule time, whatever. But Lord, I pray you help us find a way to make it a priority so that we can grow, grow in our faith, grow in community, grow in a relationship, and be an encouragement to one more. Lord, I pray you'll also stir our hearts with a growing, growing desire to be a better friend, a better friend to our friends. If we're already in a group, how can we be a better friend? If we're not in a group, same question. How can we be a better friend to those friends that are in our orb? How can we be more thoughtful and more caring and more concerned and more encouraging? How can we be sweeter and kinder and more loving, and more aware, and more interested? People all around us need encouragement. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us be a growing number of people that says we are out to encourage one more. Who's your one? Who's that one person God's laid on your heart? Who are you going to reach out and invite to your small group? Who are you going to reach out and invite to your class? Who are you going to reach out and invite into a friendship circle that you might have? Maybe you're here today and just visiting for the first time and you've never really committed your life to Jesus, maybe all this church stuff and Bible stuff's brand new to you, let me just tell you, Jesus Christ loves you more than you will ever know. And he died on the cross for your sins, my sins, all of our sins. And he asks us to put our faith in him, to trust in him for everlasting life. And you can do that just as I've done that. You can do that by just simply saying, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I, I want to go to heaven one day. Come into my life, forgive me my sins, and help me understand what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And if you pray a prayer like that, would you please tell me about it? Take that connection card in front of you, or if you're listening online, there's one right there in front of you there as well. Just fill that out and turn that in. Today I pray to commit my life to Christ. There is no better commitment in all of life than to commit our life to Jesus. Lord, I pray your blessing not only on everybody that's here, but all those that are away here today. Give us an extraordinary, extraordinary vision Sunday next week, an incredible fall to come. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's stand, shall we? The uh, tradition service is going to... Uh, uh, conclude and online host pastor will conclude. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward.
And we're going to sing a closing song, and I'd like to invite you to come forward for prayer if you'd like special prayer. Uh, maybe you want to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you want to pray for a friend. Maybe you have something on your heart that you want uh, to commit to the Lord. We invite you to come as we sing this final song.